Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tech Marketing Podcast. Today, we are covering Cannes Lions creativity in B2B. Let's go around the room and, and just introduce ourselves because and, and why this subject is so important. So, David, if we don't mind starting starting with you, like this is the first time you've been on the Tech Marketing Podcast. What's your role here at Together and what are you excited to talk about today? So, um, my name, as you said, is, is David Ryan. I'm the head of art here at Together. So sole responsibility really is to is to make sure our creativity and our conceptual work is as as uh, you know as the best it can be. I'm excited to chat today about uh, Cannes as the uh, the mind shift of creativity um, is shifting towards a B2B focus, uh, which is really exciting development. I think after maybe 25 years or or more of of, of uh, focusing solely on consumer. I think people are beginning to realize that actually B2B marketing is as important to be as B2C. Creativity is about solving problems. Creativity is the one kind of area where you can really expose and, and create this brand love mm. that is often talked about only with major malts and uh, major brands in the, in the B2C area. So I think can itself, you know, it was only a matter of time. Yeah, so it's actually a shift in strategy and attention uh, and mindset more so than the shift in creativity itself thank goodness we have our our strategist tim on the on the podcast maybe he could introduce himself well, um, nice to join um, my name is tim wilson fryer i'm a senior strategist at together and like david i'm really excited about um, the opportunity for b2b to join into this um into the cans lines this year um it's gonna seem a bit like an awkward first date i think because we've got this highly tuned B2C process going on out there. You know, the, they've really got this nailed down. And it's going to be a great time for them. I think it's going to be quite nerve-wracking for uh, B2B mm. entrants this year. But also a really great time for them as well, because there's no bar that's been set yet. So, you know, it's probably never been a better time to be part of this than this year. I, I, I love that. Like, I, I was when I was looking this up beforehand, right, so this is, obviously, I've been in the B2B space for nearly 15 years. So this is the first time, you know, we're getting this exciting opportunity to enter. Uh, and so I was like, well, you know, the creatives have been talking about Cannes Lions for, for, for years. Like, why are we only talking about it in B2B now? So I, I found this wonderful quote they've said this year. It said, we first started discussing a lion that recognizes B2B work way back in 2013 but we wanted to get the timing right. And I'm like, well, firstly, I'm a bit insulted by that because I'm like, why isn't, is the timing yeah. not right now? Like, what's, so, so you know, Tim, in your opinion, what makes it right to be launching a B2B can like at, at this moment? Like why is 2020, 2020, 2022, even if I can get it out of my mouth, the year that this, that, that B2B goes mainstream? Well, I, you know, over the last two years, we've probably seen, B2B brands take more of a B2C approach in some of their marketing. Um, and especially through the pandemic, you know, we you saw such great executions out there above the line for, for people like uh, Microsoft Teams, you know, where they, they really sort of stepped into the role of not just talking about their brand, but talking about actually how it's helping, how it's become real, how it's solving problems. And so it stopped being about this features and product and benefit-led conversation actually came about, you know, getting the world working again, keeping everything ticking over, keeping people safe, all of that good stuff that we went through over the last two years. So I can kind of see why now is a great time to do it because 
brands have proven they've got the chops to do it. Emotion. The other thing that we keep talking about at the moment, and David, you referenced this a moment ago, is emotion and B2B. Like that, we're now, I'm, I'm seeing this come up again and again and again. And, you know, I was just working on a, a on a deck this morning, actually. And the, the first thing we put in is like, we need to build an emotional connection. I think that's just shows how much the B2C mindset is, is jumped across to, to B2B. But yeah, David, any thoughts on that? You know, emotion is such a key part. If you think of just like, you know, step back for a minute, and it's not just the pandemic, but, you know, gone are the days where you can put a TV advert on and everyone's going to rush to buy your brand. You know, the world has completely changed. People are busy, they're cynical, they're tired of brands trying to be their friends all the time. It's all about that connection. What makes you relevant to that person's life? If you become relevant, you become more of someone trying to, that is trying to sell something to you. You become a part of their kind of, their society. You know, it becomes part of their lifestyle, a brand that maybe they look up to, aspiration, inspire. You know, I'm excited that we're, we, you know, we're injecting, you know, we've all been very passionate about injecting emotion into, into B2B. And I, I see it more and more. And I do think that the brands that actually now are brave enough to inject an emotion, because let's not forget, emotion is a, it's sometimes a very scary word for some people because you could be quite polarizing. You know, you could come up with a, a tone of voice or an emotion that might, completely not resonate with your your old audience but might be great for a new audience or you could come up with an emotion that transforms uh you know example like apple transforms an a, a, a tech company into a lifestyle brand fortune will favor the brave i think that's a super point actually really really good point because you know going back years there are there are endless studies uh, like data decisions you know they did this great piece where they recognized that creativity has the second biggest impact on your effectiveness as a brand. The biggest one is actually the size of your brand. So the second best thing you can do, apart from just growing, is being really creative. And that's that's got to tap into this emotional stuff because buyers now, like you say, David, absolutely right. They are tuning out of this products and features piece. They want, they want to emotionally connect. Um, and if you can build that into a brand, if you can build in like a high brand connection, then they're more likely to consider you when it comes to purchase. So it really does pay to invest in in creativity and in building your brand as much as your sales activation. Did you say that people are sick of brands trying to be their friends? Is that what yeah, you said at the beginning? Exactly, that's exactly what I said, yeah. I think it's a case of like, if you become, if you are actually naturally investing in, in your in your content strategy or your or your creativity to connect to these people and you've done your due diligence of, of finding out the insights of what they're in what they in their actual problems that they're facing and you're solving them problems you become a connected more than say i don't know everyone else is posting pictures of cats let's just post pictures of cats and then like that's like oh look please like it i want to be your friend resonating and actually becoming a, a, a partner or a, um, a like-minded brand is someone that I think connects with people in a, in a different way. You actually help them solve these problems that they're featuring. Yeah, I'd have to say that, you know, Salesforce is a really good example of how creative thinking has driven that connection. When you look at how they connect to the communities, how they bring people through their certification, what they're trying to do as an overall brand in the world. It, it, it just really, really works. And, you know, they've created lots of distinct brand assets off the back of this as well. So truly drive it home. So it's not just rhetoric. You know, it's it's always there in everything they do. And I think it's just, you know, it's such a, a fresh look 
for B2B. Could you tell me a little bit more about that fresh look and what it is, what it is that is always there? They created these wonderful characters for their, for their trailhead um, training program. Little, little geezer called Astro and a whole family of different engineers or marketers and so on and so forth. Well, you know, that's not a particularly massive creative leap. But what they've done is they've committed to it and they've just driven that forward. So you will see these across all the channels that they're doing. And then they take that kind of personality, which is obviously aligned with the audience, right? They take that kind of personality and they build that out into the events. Who the speakers are at those events, they could bring them into it. Then they also try and tell the stories of the people who are going through the training programs as well. And that really brings it to life. And honestly, if you ever watch any of their online any of their online events, it's it just it mind-blowing. It's almost like watching a chat show. The production values are so great. Everybody's so engaged. I mean, it's super American, but it's fantastic. I'm so glad you brought up Salesforce there, Tim. Like they're one of my like gold standards for this for building this emotional connection. If we bring it back to to emotion, because um, and there's a really funny story here. I've had the I've had the pleasure of going to two Dreamforces. So that's like a four day. We're talking like Cannes Lions here is a party in. Uh, in Cannes, um, with with yachts and stuff, with and agencies like Dreamforce is like the same thing except for B two B CRM and sales and marketing. It's just it's and it takes over the whole of San Francisco. It's mental, um, and everyone there is the best presenter you've ever seen. Um, that that which which is fascinating. But the really funny story here is is they they have a they've really they've they've bottled I would say emotion for B two B right. So we actually did a. And, and, and Tim, I don't know if you were with us at the time, but we went through a client onboarding back in 2020 remotely um, for Salesforce as we started working with them. So we've done some some work with Salesforce in the past. And even that, even that slide, the first two or three slides were uh, thanking all of our partners, thanking all of our agencies, making like building that connection. Like it was I- exactly how they do it at an event. And I just thought that was, it's amazing, like how how they build that as part of their, their 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 company. So I would definitely like bring it back to emotion and B2B. Like I would expect them to win uh you know, to win an award at something like Cannes because I just think you know, they're 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 one of the uh, gold standards of, of creativity and building emotion in B2B. And, and you know what, John, there's a really good reason why they are being so creative. And that is because they can see the bottom line benefit of it being driven. So you know, we talk about creativity. We also need to talk about maybe the relationship between marketing and finance, because over the years, whether we like it or not, we know we've been doing a lot of demand generation work. We've been trying to drive sales, which is great. But ultimately, if you want to try and build a brand, you're actually trying to build future value for the business. So a CMO and a CFO shouldn't always be talking about clicks and attribution. They should be talking about, well, what can we do with the brand? to actually increase the value of the business so that if we decide to sell it 10 years down the line, you know, we're going to get a better price for it. If you, Even if you talk to stock analysts now, they suggest that apparently something like 80% of a stock's value is based on the future customers. So only 20% is based on your current book. So right there is a case for creativity in brand building. And you get to that right now through building emotional intelligence and emotion into your marketing. And it's easy to be brave after you've seen the results be fantastic. I don't think it's true that, hey, if I try 5% of this 
and that goes badly or that goes well, that indicates that going in that direction 100% would have similar results in either direction. Is that, is, is that, was it, was it, was it yes, the... That's something that they would call um, or term creative commitment. So it's commitment to media, commitment to channels, commitment to creativity and, and driving that through. So I would say sticking your toe in the water or test and learn maybe is, is one option, but you're not going to move the needle um, until you really fully commit. And I think that's, that's where we kind of get into this conversation about short termism and brand building as well. Let's, I mean, let's bring us, on to, bring us on to that, right? So we know, like, firstly, it's fantastic that B2B is being recognized at this global, literally an award ceremony level, right? So that's going to have an impact on, on the importance of B2B and how much people talk about it and, and, and so on. You, Tim, you just mentioned that brand building is a, a key part of it. Like, I guess I'm trying to find the right way of phrasing this. David, because there's so many different ways to, 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 to address it. But like from a, when, when we're coming up with a concept, like how do you get that unique balance between long term and short term when we're developing something? Because it, it's so we see this time and time again, don't we? We see a client come in with um, a goal to get a unique mix. And then as it as it as the brief matures and as the end of their quarter approaches, it moves more and more and more towards I just need leads. Like how do how do we get that right balance? I think what the, the way you need to approach that is, is, is by always preach, uh, approaching it that it's a long-term project. Because I think the way you do is you, if we're going to, there's nothing worse than, let's just go, there's nothing worse than a brand changing its point of view or where it wants to go or who it's talking to every six months. It feels like because we know in marketing, you might live with that idea for a whole year before it hits the market. So they feel like it's old hat and change it. Imagine being the consumer. We've all been there with brands that we like. It just completely confuses you. Like, you know, there's no consistency. There's no, you know, that's not how to build a brand or, can, you know, uh, uh, resonate. Um, but I think what we do is you need to approach it as a long term. And, and you need to defer, define what long term is. Because long term in marketing could be a year. It could be three years. You know, it could be, it could be you know, three months. It could be until, until the next budget's released. It could be as simple as that. So you need to approach it. And the way I think you do that is you make sure that your your top concept can basically, you can hang a lot off it. It needs to be a really, you know, open, quite aspirational, uh, uh, you know, idea where, you know, and when you're developing that idea, you need to look what is going to cause this to go off track and will it still be allowed to to cover within this idea? So if you can come up with a proposition or an overarching idea that can allow you to, to hang a number of different kind of elements underneath it, even in the, the changing landscape, um, you, you know, you're on a really good a good kind of concept there. And you, I think you've got, to, you've got to let it set it up for the three years. If they pull the plug after three months, we've still, you know, you still delivered a, a, a thought piece or a concept that could have been lasted for a lot longer. I really like the point about having something to hang a lot off of, having a very versatile umbrella from which, and I think that actually ties back to emotion first. That's the most versatile thing. So perhaps brands should be thinking emotion first and then how to portray that emotion in the widest sense. And then from that, many, many other things can fall. That's that's a great point. Uh, I would I would add to that and say, you know, emotion is the trigger to action. Essentially, um, we're going to be planting 
these thoughts in people's minds over years and years and years potentially as we're building that message because they're not in market straight away. Loads of research around people, you know, 5% of people being actively in market to buy a product now and B2B and 95% aren't. So actually what we're doing is we're, we're persuading 5% to go out and buy this thing, people triggering that emotion and making that. But what we're also doing is we're priming the next 5% and talking to the other 90% with our message that kind of is about, is, a, is almost like a performance, you know, we're trying to get them to really buy into what we're saying and we'll just keep repeating this and doing it through lots of different ways and different messages underneath that great global idea that David was talking about. And then the emotion will trigger the action. So I think it's got a really important part to play. And when we think about things on a long-term scale, when it comes to emotion and when it comes to brand building and, and, and kind of, you know, getting these roots deep, is the key to ramp up the level of emotion? Like, let's say, we, let's say we're aspirational or something of the sort. Do we, do we begin and then end up and work towards a crescendo at the end of, at the end of three years? Do we get, do we get bigger with it or do we try to come in at 100% of, of that emotion and, and keep it constant? I think if you, if you take your question and think about it as if you were living with somebody, would you enjoy living with that person if their emotions were constantly changing up and down? Okay, this is this actually, let's keep to this analogy because this works very well. Let's say I'm living with someone, okay? <laughs> here's, a, here's, here's a disgusting thing about, I'm a, I'm a handkerchief user, okay? I'm a handkerchief user. <laughs> now, oh, one of my bad habits is that you might find a used handkerchief <laughs> under a pillow or anything of the sort, okay? I have little places where I know they'll be. In case of an emergency, I can reach for a handkerchief that I've concealed <laughs> somewhere in my home, okay? I might want to hide that for year one, <laughs> you know, or do I go in full on brand and say, you know, this is, this is where we leave the handkerchiefs. I'm saying, do we, do we ramp up as we, as our, as our customer base kind of understands what's going on? If you go back to this kind of awkward first date moment uh, that I started with the conversation, would you go straight in there with a, a little handkerchief either hanging out your sleeve at a jaunty angle or a little top pocket number? Oh, that's, that's a show and not a blower, but don't worry. <laughs> you know, or do you introduce your, your idiosyncrasies just a little slowly until they're used to you and they bought into what you're about and, you know, all the great things about you. And then you go, and by the way, I have this dark secret. Yeah, <laughs> that's my question. I, I think you're the first analogy here him like of, of having it hanging out your sleep like i'm going to call it like subtlety is the right way that you would approach this with a with a brand right so yeah I, i'm going to come up with something that just as you just as we were discussing it like i think a brand should evolve and not be revolutionary right you shouldn't be launching a new a new brand every year like it should just evolve and yeah, i think yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's part of it is like you might subtly lit subtly show that you have a handkerchief but not pay you know not draw attention to it and then it just people go oh Oh, you were a handkerchief user. I didn't realize that about you. Uh, I think it would evolve. Well, I think demand gen is the diff is the other flip of this, right? So what we're saying is you need to get a balance between this long and short term. That's where you should have revolutionary. So I'm trying to think of the right analogy of like, like your fur in your in your data your data and relationship example. Like you should evolve your personality to to meet the market but not completely change it whilst you might completely change where you go on dates in order to make keep things spicy i know i vibe with that no i think your analogy john there was quite was quite a clever one 
um, personally, I think you, 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 you have to grow your emotion as the market changes. One of your values could be about understanding. That's an emotion. So really, you don't ever have to ram that up. And you're not coming in hysterical, are you? Like Tim said, you don't want to be like screaming one minute and then crying the next bit and then happy. Emotion moves people to do something. You work out what you want to do. You choose how much emotion, the level that will do it. Emotion could be about how we contact people, when we contact them, why, you know, where. Let's, let's fire the emotion at them at different places, but let's, let's try and keep it steady emotionally from a brand point of view. Mm. So I've always like heavily argued that like creativity can take different forms, but you've just really highlighted it there, which is creativity isn't just a great piece of copy and a, and a piece of art. It's it's how you do it. It's everything about it. It, it could be the contact method. It could be the format. It, it could be anything. And I think that's incredibly important. It'd be really interesting to see, bringing it back to the cans lions, if they are all just creative or if they are a mix of what the sum of those different elements builds together. I would summarize it this way. I think when we look at the Can Awards this year for B2B, there's going to be a blend of short-term tactics, um, long-term brand building. And as we've all talked about today, you know, there's, there's got to be an element of connecting with customers. After all, that's what we want to do. It's got to improve the brand's health as well, potentially, and then drive growth. So that could be growth today and it can be growth in the future as well. So it's about building all of those elements cohesively and driving that forwards for the brand campaign or for the campaign itself, or the nomination, or whatever it is you want to win the prize for. Um, and I, I think that's, that's really where it comes to for the brands themselves. This is one of, my, one of my three tips. The first one is that creativity is the only key to progress. Now, that is a quote from Edward de Bono. Oh, I miss, I miss Edward. <laughs> so what does that mean? Well, it means, you know, it, it creativity takes you to new places. And I don't want to use the word bravery, but it takes you to new places which means that it's commercially valuable, first of all. If this isn't just about an award and showing off, this is actually about delivering real results that are going to improve the business. I often think point number two is what would Lady Gaga do? That is just something I have in the back of my head sometimes when I think about that meat dress that she wore to the MTV Awards. You know, If you were the, her dress designer, you'd say, oh, I'm going to make you this really elegant silk gown and, and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's okay, but that's doing the, pretty much the same as everybody else. You know, from a creative point of view, she's reaching new ground. She's breaking new ground. And I think that's really important. So just keep in mind what Lady Gaga would do. Mm. And my final point is, you know, everyone has valid creative ideas. And that's really great when you work in a team like we do. But for clients, I would recommend always giving it to a professional first, um, just to avoid kind of this group thinking consensus where you all centre around a naturally acceptable idea internally. If you want a challenge, if you really want to be creative, um, you want to in the headset of what the dress designer think of for Lady Gaga, you've got to give it to a professional first. And then they'll give you a list of really great creative ideas. And then you can then take that and build your great campaign off the back of it. What would Lady Gaga do is, uh, is maybe the title for the podcast. I think I might might have that as a mantra. Maybe I'll paint that on the wall behind me, Tim. No, it's been it's been great. Tim, Tim and David, it's been great having you on the podcast today. It's been absolutely fantastic to talk about how Cannes and their new B2B award uh, is making a difference to creativity in our space. So thank you. Thank you very much. Well, no, thanks. It's been a blast. It's been really good. Thank you for having us on. It's been emotional. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the Tech Marketing Podcast. Give us a like, give us a share, subscribe, and we will see you all in two weeks time.